Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Caucasus Cauldron, a thriller, written by James Lingard. An intense thriller full of danger, death, and fear. MI6 spies, Russian FSB, Chechen terrorists, Abkhaz separatists, the 1992 Georgian War. This breathtaking and brutal novel is a gripping tale set in the magnificent Caucasus Mountains during Georgia's ill-fated invasion of Abkhazia in 1992. The Caucasus Cauldron gives a vivid focus to a historical moment left out of the history books, a world ripping itself apart and ravaged by never-ending hatred and blood feuds. Can our hero Mac trust the attractive Russian FSB officer Chris who befriends him? How will she react to Dr. Anna, a separatist rabble-rouser who holds the key to his secret mission? And what about the mysterious Sergei, a former British agent who seems to have disappeared? How will Mac cope with the Chechen terrorist who has vowed to kill him? You are a dead man, English. We know who you are. You are spying on our people. Now you die. The result is an intense, action-packed thriller full of danger, death, and fear, but a story full of quiet humor and surprising twists and turns. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from the Caucasus Cauldron. Part 1. The Past is But the Beginning of a Beginning. H.G. Wells. Discovery of the Future. Chapter 1. The Mass Grave The fear of death is more to be dreaded than fear itself. Horace You're a dead man, English. We know who you are, John Armstrong. You are spying on our people. Now you die. Totally unexpected, the guttural East European accent, magnified by Tannoy, echoed round the hills. Now you die. Now you die. John Armstrong, Mac, as his colleagues in my six called him, drew himself up to his full six feet two inches, ran his fingers through his dark red hair, and flexed his muscles. Having only recently completed a training course with the Special Air Service, he felt physically fitter than ever before in his life. The guttural accent grated inside his head and burned its way into his mind. How could he ever forget such a chilling message? So, they knew his name. That is the name he currently chose to use. There is no John Armstrong, or if there is, it belongs to someone else. Even so, it is a name he would teach them to remember. As ordered by his head of section in My Six... He had booked in at the Radisson Hotel in Sochi. The security services had given him a telephone number to ring in case of trouble and advised, Just ask for Jane. Pretend she's your girlfriend. She'd like that. And we'll get your message. Soon after he checked into his room at the hotel, the telephone rang. Reception here. We have just been handed an urgent letter for you. Would you like me to send it up to your room? Or are you coming down? No, I'll be down shortly. The receptionist handed him an envelope containing a short message. 
It read, Sergei will meet you tomorrow at Abgara near Sukumi. Be there at dawn and wait for him. His route to Abgara in the middle of the night took him to a roadblock close to a hamlet. He stopped his hire car two hundred yards short of it and climbed up a bank, where he could see through his night glasses a scene of ethnic cleansing by Chechen terrorists. A number of villagers were being unceremoniously herded towards a mass grave. Shots rang out. Worse, he had stumbled upon the scene just as men were shooting more victims and dumping their bodies into a huge pit. Damn, I have to get away from here before the guards manning the barrier realize what I have discovered. He bolted away from the road and ran into a terrified Apka's youth hiding behind a tree. Come with me. They will find you if you stay here. We need to put as much distance as possible between us and this atrocity. A rustle in the undergrowth close by on his right startled him. It was only a fox. Take care, fox, or they'll think you are me. The man with the tannoy repeated his threat. You are a dead man, English. We know who you are. You cannot escape. We will track you down and kill you like the vermin you are. Now you will die. The voice seemed to come from back near the mass grave. He turned to the Apkaz lad and inquired, Who are these people that are making such threats? How could they possibly know anything about me? I won't be as easy to eliminate as they seem to think. Come on, keep going. Don't give up now. I'll look after you. Stay close and follow me. Just do as I say. After a few minutes, the boy began to lag behind, his teeth chattering with fear. He kept glancing furtively at his watch. How could one so poor come to have an expensive watch like that? He must surely have stolen it from one of the dead villagers. The youth grabbed his arm and spoke in a forced whisper. Chechens! They must not see me. The darkness and mist help, but it's not safe. Danger lurks all around. Look, the sun is rising. I can go no further with you. Go towards the ridge up there. You will soon be away from the village. I must leave you, or they will kill me too. With a wave, he ducked out of sight. It was impossible for anyone to stop him. Max swore under his breath and began clambering up the slope towards the trees on the ridge, forcing himself to stay calm and take advantage of what meagre cover the heather and gorse scrub growing in profusion on the hillside provided. His training had drummed into him not to panic, so he clenched his fists, determined to make the best of a bad situation. A fat lot of comfort to cold Jane would be out here in the wild, with a pack of murderous Chechens hunting me down. At that moment, a piercing scream shattered the quiet of an impending dawn, followed by a second scream, which was silenced by a single shot. It's only three minutes ago that the lad was by my side. They can be less than half a mile behind me. Time to get going and fast. I'm already within range of their Kalashnikovs. I'll break cover and dash for the trees up there on the hill. Should only take two minutes, and with luck, the mist 
which seems to be thickening, will hide me. A voice was heard from the tannoy again. You are a dead man, English. A dead man. You spy on our people. You pay with your life. We make sure of that. Mac made the best use of the cover available, dodging behind the nearest clump of gorse and froze. Would a searchlight come stabbing through the darkness to illuminate him for their snipers? He could learn to hate the man with the tannoy, no doubt about that. How could they know anything about him unless Sergei had deliberately led him into a trap? Could Sergei be a traitor? My six knew so little about the man that it must be a serious possibility. He dismissed the thought, then realized that torture came easily to his pursuers. Was that what they had in mind for him? Kind of you to warn me, but I'd prefer to keep my whereabouts secret. And here you are broadcasting my presence to everyone in earshot. No sign of pursuit. Or was there? He checked his revolver and his favorite weapons, three throwing knives, one in a sheath round his waist, one strapped to his leg, and the third in a holster in the small of his back. He squared his shoulders and began quartering the bare hillside through his night glasses. Nothing. The swirling mist had blotted out the river and deadened any sound of pursuit. Impossible to be certain whether the Chechens had reached the spot where the boy had left him. But they were out there somewhere and wanted blood. His blood. Moreover, they knew this hunting ground far better than he did. Damn. The light drizzle trickling down his neck did not improve his mood. A pity I'm not wearing battle dress, but at least my hiking boots can cope with the rocks. I must be positive. Be thankful that the summer is here and the forecast promises a glorious day to come. Life is a lottery. Play it to the full. Sukumi and its beaches beckon even if they are a few miles away. The sea is warm. All I have to do is stay alive and move myself out of here. Time to press on to the ridge up ahead. Dawn could not be far away. He clawed his way rapidly up the immediate slope like a cat with its eye on an overweight pigeon. Enough moonlight is penetrating through gaps in the cloud for me to leave the path to my enemies. Wherever possible, make use of such cover as exists and pause frequently to listen for signs of anyone in the vicinity. Not a sound. Only the steady drip of moisture from the trees. This is no place to get careless. One can die in these woods all too easily. Odd, there seems to be two ridges. The ground dips slightly before rising to the main ridge which fills the skyline. My map shows no such feature. We must be too far west. Slow down and avoid stepping on fallen twigs. A nervous squirrel making a mad scramble up the nearest tree made him pause and closely examine the way ahead. Lucky that he did, for down in a nearby hollow he spotted a solitary figure leaning against a giant oak. Motionless but alert, clutching a KMS-72 assault rifle and staring expectantly at the path, 
Mac knew all about the KMS-72. Deadly, an improved version of the old Kalashnikov, and far superior in killing power to his little browning. The tattered camouflage uniform posed a puzzle. Not Georgian, certainly not Russian. The man had to be a Chechen. Is that soldier alone? Seems unlikely. Easy enough to imagine a whole phalanx of watchers in the woods. Kalashnikovs at the ready, tucked away out of sight. Perhaps a tenoy isn't just bravado. One way or another, they do not mean me to go any farther. Such thoughts lead to fear, the stuff of nightmares. I have no time for such weakness. They remind me of the victims being pushed into the mass grave. Unforgettable images of pure horror. A photographic memory can be a curse as well as a blessing. Use your initiative. Let this one enjoy a peaceful night and a hearty breakfast. Make a detour. I have no quarrel with the man. No evidence to suggest that he was involved in the atrocities back in the hamlet. Then fate intervened. A sudden puff of wind, a gap in the cloud cover, and there Max stood, silhouetted in the moonlight not thirty yards away from the Chechen. I've been damned careless. That comes of letting the mind wander from the serious business of survival. The man is shouting something at me in an incomprehensible dialect. What to do? I'll give the thumbs-up sign and turn to go. A bar command by the Chechen in a meaningful motion with his KMS-72 rules that out. Tricky. Fieldcraft has always let me down. Putting a finger to his lips and smiling amiably, Max stumbled towards the man, muttering to himself, If that's what he wants, so be it. Besides, his weapon will be useful. All that shout must have alerted the men who were hunting me. As he moved forward, Mac's right hand eased the throwing knife which nestled in the small of his back out of its sheath. All that training made its delivery automatic, a single movement of the arm. The slightest hesitation would have been fatal. The Chechen only realized what was happening as the knife struck home. His eyes registered a mixture of shock and betrayal as they stared, transfixed in horror, straight at his killer. He slumped to the ground so quietly, with no more than a gurgling gasp, that it took a moment for Mac to realize the man had really died. He could never forget the look of betrayal in the eyes of the Chechen, the look of a man who knew he was about to die. Their eyes had only locked together for a few seconds, but Mac saw it all again, the man's shock at realizing he had been knifed and the unspoken accusation. The thought of his encounter with the Chechens swept through his conscience. It all happened so fast. All that training had made his reactions automatic. Once he realized the man was dead, the shock hit home, and he felt numb. What had he done? However, the body could so easily have been his own. Indeed, his would join it if the men with the tannoy caught up with him. He reflected on every moment of the brief encounter and genuinely regretted his enemy's death. What if the man had simply wanted a cigarette, and it cost him his life? Just as it warns on the cigarette packets, smoking kills. How am I going to live with that stare?
Mac retrieved his knife, bundled the body into a thicket, and moved on with the KMS-72 slung over his shoulder and two spare clips of ammunition in his jacket pocket. They could be useful, but his primary objective remained to get away, not to fight a war of revenge. Two blackbirds began to trill high on the branches of a nearby oak tree, totally unconcerned at the killing they had just witnessed. They were the first of the dawn chorus as seemingly every bird within hearing strove to outsing its fellows. If only Mac could emulate their carefree attitude, but in his mind the dead man's accusing eyes followed his every move. Already visibility had improved far too fast for his liking. Soon the mist would be burned off by the sun. He needed to hurry, but he also needed to avoid any more watchers looking in the trees. Voices drifted up to him from down the hillside. There could be as many as a dozen men. It was impossible to be sure, but it sounded as if they had found their comrade and knew his killer must be close by. Now Mac knew fear. What chance had he against so many men desperate to preserve the secret of their atrocity and thirsting for revenge at the death of their comrade? They would show no mercy. Don't panic. That way you die. If only I could reach the higher ridge without being seen. Only fifty yards away now. So near. It must be worth a try. Plan your approach. Wait for the cloud to thicken. This is it. Go for it. Go, go, go. As he reached the crest of the ridge, the cloud broke, and a sliver of crimson sun revealed a broad valley spread out in front of him with cattle grazing in the fields. Could this be Utopia? The cawing of crows circling lazily overhead destroyed any such illusion. Those crows are devils hungering for the flesh of those about to die. Could that be me? Well, I'm not done yet. The assault rifle, the clips of ammunition in my jacket pocket, and the blood on the strap are real. Surely they will be enough to frighten away a few blood-crazed Chechens. I may lack discipline, but firearms and shooting are specialties of mine. Moving with extreme caution through the last fringe of trees, he scraped out a hide in the bracken and settled down to examine the surrounding terrain. No more than ten yards in front of him, the undergrowth ended abruptly as the land fell away devoid of cover. Eerie how quiet everything had become, almost sinister, as if creation was holding its breath waiting to see what he would do next. A twig snapped close by, then another nearer, followed by a whispered curse. He froze, straining to hear in which direction they were moving, but rewarded only by the rustle of leaves in the breeze. Surely he had covered his tracks better than that. They had stopped and must be quartering the landscape inch by inch for him. Real chilling fear gripped the base of his stomach. His enemies were closing in. He had killed their comrade, and now they were coming for him. The moment of truth, so bloody unfair. He told himself, you are as well armed as they are and damned sight better trained. Blend into the vegetation and make yourself become invisible like you have been taught. 
Easy enough to do it in the half-light. But what happens when the sun rises higher and shines directly on my position, driving away the shadows? His sharp eyes made out the outline of two figures lying in ambush where the path emerged into the valley. They cradled Kalashnikovs, as if expecting him to be flushed out of the woods. Was it his imagination, or did they look more like marksmen than terrorists? Damn, I have been set up. I never had a chance. He looked again and saw the uniforms were different from the Chechens. They must be Georgian Special Forces troops. Those are the men to settle scores with the Chechens. It would be best for me to keep out of the way. Are there enough of them to deal with the men who are hunting me? The Tannoy, much nearer now, spoke again in slow, measured, guttural tones. You are surrounded English. If you surrender now, we give you this last chance. Put you on trial. How do you say about that? His tormentor laughed, a harsh, mirthless laugh. That laugh made Mac angry. He checked his weapon. The full magazine of perhaps ninety rounds should be enough to dampen the enthusiasm of his pursuers. No hurry. Why be in a hurry to die? Perhaps they will betray their positions, where they are skulking, if I do absolutely nothing. Be fatalistic about it. Either they die or I do. If justice has anything to do with it, surely the victims in the mass grave decided that issue in my favour. The men hunting me are not interested in such niceties. Out here only I give a thought to such things. Those victims obsess me. I can't get them out of my mind. Their souls scream at me that the men who are goading me with their tannoy are the very ones who cause their suffering, and I have the means and duty to avenge them. His orders had been simple enough. His photographic memory recalled all too clearly the uniformed attendant at the foreign office, conducting him up its magnificent panelled staircase into a well-proportioned room with its imposing high ceiling, the cornice and central boss picked out in gold, a room built to impress, a room with imperial pretensions. A civil servant in pinstripe trousers and black jacket introduced himself. Jack McPherson. I am in charge of the desk monitoring the caucuses. The minister had hoped to see you himself, but he was called away and asked me to brief you. Would you like tea or coffee? He spoke with a hint of a smile but Mac sensed a spring-like inner tension in his manner. Southern Russia has a history of blood feuds. Even before Stalin accused Ossetia Muslims of supporting the Nazis and deported them to Kazakhstan, after his death they were allowed to return to their homeland, only to find their homes had been taken over by neighbouring tribes hostile to their return. The area suffers from serious unrest, and we suspect the separatist uprising against Georgians could break out imminently. On the breakup of the Soviet Union, Abkhazia became part of Georgia, but the separatists resent this, and they have the support of Russia, Chechnya, Ingushetia, and a number of other mountain peoples. The various republics have widely different cultures. They don't even speak the same language or have the same religion. The majority are Muslims, 
and we suspect that they have been infiltrated by terrorist extremists from Al-Qaeda. Any information you'll learn about their activities would be most welcome. Sergei Solovyev used to be our most helpful source of information in that part of the world, but we're not sure whether we can still rely on his reports. He seems to have disappeared. Find out what happened to him and discover whether he is trustworthy. Bring him back to London so we can question him. No heroics. We don't want to start a war with Russia. Out there on the hillside, Mac muttered quietly to himself, to hell with the rules of engagement set by faraway politicians. What do they know about these monsters who show no mercy to anyone? This is no cricket match, and when have I ever taken much notice of orders from on high? A deep anger flared up inside him which could only be satiated by vengeance. In the name of the human race, these devils who are hunting me must be stopped. As the mist cleared, he examined the escarpment for the slightest clue to the whereabouts of his enemies. Danger fizzed and sparked all around. Once he pressed the trigger of his KMS-72, a dozen weapons would instantly reply. He needed a solid earth bank at his back and quickly found one. They heard him move despite all the precautions he took. He noticed a movement in the bracken close at hand, too close for comfort. In which direction were they moving? Nothing, not a sound. They must have stopped. My enemies are closing in. I have killed their man and now they are coming to shoot me. The faint sound of movement came again over on his right. They were preparing to rush him. Mac gritted his teeth and whispered, No time for niceties now. Here they come. Two short bursts from his weapon settled that initiative. Now, shift to a new position fast. Keep below the lip of the ridge. Made it. Reload. Pandemonium broke out as the pursuit gathered again to rush his previous position. He killed several of them in the firefight which followed. Now show yourself, Mr. Tannoy. I'm the hunter this time. Four more Chechens died that morning up there on the ridge. Who knows how many fled away into obscurity. Mac made a thorough search of the area before moving off with a conscience seething in outrage. He kept remembering the look of betrayal in the eyes of the watcher whom he had dispatched by the path. Could he ever forget that? As the mist cleared, he made out a single light glimmering from the farmhouse in the valley below. Was it his imagination or was the building on fire? A downstairs light could surely not be responsible for the faint glow coming from upstairs. Black smoke began to billow out through the upstairs windows. He could make out flames licking at the roof. A girl rushed outside, her blonde hair streaming out behind her as she clutched a shawl around her shoulders. He saw her throw back her head and scream with all the power of her lungs, though distance deadened the effect. Immediately... A half-dressed man appeared in the doorway, tore away the shawl, and flung her to the ground. Who was this newcomer? The farm was burning, yet both man and girl ignored it. She rose to her knees, her hands clasped in an attitude of prayer, but her assailant stood shouting at her. Mac watched him seize her by the hair and drag her onto her feet. 
her assailant fumbled inside his tunic and produced a knife, which he began waving about in front of her face. If he meant to frighten her, he certainly succeeded because she collapsed in the mud. A change in the wind blew smoke from the burning building directly towards him, blocking his vision. What was going on down there? Frustration gripped him. Somehow those murderers had to be stopped. When it cleared, he discovered the two Georgian soldiers had shot the knife man and were comforting his victim. Best leave the Chechens to the Georgians, he remarked to his reflection shimmering in a nearby pool. The haunted expression it revealed unnerved him. He wondered aloud, Who really is in control of this country? Is it still the Georgians? Or have the Russians or the Separatists taken over? I need to find Sergei and report to Jane. First, I'll make for Sukumi and discover what state the town is in. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from the Caucasus Cauldron. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.